This morning, I've entitled my sermon really From Shadow to Substance. It comes from that scripture that we read last week. And I just want to expand a little bit more from shadow to substance. Christians and the Bible, how we treat the Bible is how we will live our lives. How do we make sense of this ancient literature? How do we make sense of a book which is not really a book written by one author? It's written in a span of nearly 1,500 years from the first word that was written, recorded word, to the last word that was written spans 1,500 years. How do you treat a book like that? How do you understand a book like that? How do you understand a book that was written by 40 different people? How do you base your life on a book that has gone through all the ages from the Stone Age to the Bronze Age to the Iron Age, then the Age of Internet? And it's the same book that we're looking at, the same book we're trying to interpret, same book we're trying to live by. How do you do that? Life and times have changed so rapidly. At one time, they just had two tablets, and that was the word of God. Now, some of us have tablets too. <laughs> and I've got all the translations and <laughs> commentaries and everything in this one tablet. See, how we handle the Bible will determine whether we stay in the shadows or we, there is substance in our Christian life. How we read and how we live and apply the word of God will determine whether we stay in the shadows or we actually live in the substance which is ultimately the intimacy with Christ. So our movement I want to talk about today is this movement from principle that we draw from scriptures to practice, but it must lead us to the person. Not just principles that we live by, but the principles must cause us to apply those principles in our practice. But we don't stop there. We do what we do for one reason and one reason only, that it will lead us to an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what the scriptures are for. Drawing principles from what we read in the Bible, applying those principles in our daily lives, but it doesn't stop there. It's not practice for the sake of practicing the Bible, and it's not practicing so that we become better people. That's all well and good, but that's not why we apply the scriptures in our lives. One reason and one reason only is to know, to love, and to experience Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what this book is there for. It's not there so that we make sure we book a ticket into heaven. It would be wonderful. We all have tickets there. But the reason for this book is so that it draws us closer to Jesus Christ our Lord. We become better people not because we are practicing the right things. We become better people because we are being with Jesus and becoming like him to the point we reflect him 
more in our lives. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about this movement that continues to happen in all our lives and it must continue to happen in our daily lives where we draw principles from scripture as we hear God through the word, endeavor by God's grace to put that into practice in our daily lives in order to draw near and abide in the presence of the person, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what this is for. From principle to practice to the person. That's the movement. That's the spiritual movement. That's what discipleship is all about. From principles of scripture to the practice of scripture that leads us to the person that the scripture talks about. Jesus Christ our Lord. I see a main problem with our Christian lives. Some Christians merely emphasize their version of the truth they have derived from the Bible. That's the only emphasis. They go to scriptures to get a truth. And then it's all about believing that truth. And so they believe that truth. They hold on to that truth. Now, we talk about doctrines. So church have doctrines and we hold on to those doctrines. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with doctrines. But if that's all Christianity is about, doctrines, it will never lead us to Jesus Christ. Sometimes there's so much focus on getting it right, believing the right thing. Sometimes there's so much focus, know what you believe and know why you believe. All wonderful things to focus on. But if that's all that we are doing, just believing in the right thing, and we stop there, it's not going to lead us to the person Jesus Christ. It's not going to lead us to an intimacy with Jesus Christ. We cannot stop at just believing. If you just stop at believing the right thing without seeking how to apply those truths in your daily lives, then it's mere religion. I put it this way. Believing something without living it in our daily lives is placing God in a distance. Let me repeat that. Believing something without living it in our daily lives is placing God in a distance. I believe this. I believe it, but I don't live it. Then God is in a distance. I believe that God. I believe about that God. It's only when I appropriate that belief and live that God in my life, then he is here and not a distant away. That's the difference between religion and relationship with God. Religion believes something and keeps God in a distance. A relationship believes something, applies it in our lives so that we draw closer to the person, the God we believe in. So you can't just believe truth. You must draw principles from truth. And this is what I mean by principles. Principles a livable truth. Principles, when you draw principles, that means you can live it. You can apply it in your life and you can apply it in your children's lives. You can apply it in your grandchildren's lives and you can apply it in your great-grandchildren's lives. It doesn't matter whether they are internet savvy or they don't know anything about the internet. Whether they've got a um, Facebook account or they don't have a Facebook account. The same principle that works for you should work for them. That is principles. Truth sometimes is not applicable. 
But principles that you draw from truth is what you can apply. I'm going to explain this by using an example. But let me just say this again. Principles are livable truth. Truth that can be applied consistently in your daily lives. There are some doctrines that we believe in. I say we, but as the church, right? For instance, some churches believe that women should not be in leadership. Our church doesn't believe that. We have women coming up here and preaching. We have women standing up here and leading. But there are some churches that don't believe. They don't believe that women should preach. However, because, and this is church history, even though they didn't believe that women can, they believe that women cannot preach, but they would send women as missionaries to go and preach the gospel. You know why? Because men were not willing. And so, there was an inconsistency in truth. That's what I mean. If your truth that you believe in cannot be applied in India, but can only be applied in New Zealand, something's wrong with that truth that you are believing in. That is just a form of truth you, have, you are holding on to, but they are not principles of Scripture. Because the principles of Scripture have stood the age of time. It doesn't matter what age, from Adam to Noah, from Noah to Abraham, from Abraham to the nation Israel, and it continued to the early church, and it's still continuing today. The principles of Scripture will always be consistent and can always be applied, no matter what your life is. And it will always draw you to God. Let me give you an example. Look at Exodus chapter 21. And verse 23 to 25. Exodus 21, 23 to 25. If any harm follows, he's talking about those who harm one another. The context is two people were fighting, right? And harm came onto a pregnant woman. And so here he's giving some rules about that. Moses is. But if any harm follows, then you should give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, Hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. That was the law. So if you take that truth, we call it, let's call it the truth that all of us must abide in. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We take that and apply it in today's context. What would that look like? Terrible. In fact, Gandhi said, eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. Is that true? Because one day I'm harming you and you take my eye out. Tomorrow you may harm me and got to get your eye out. Let's call it the doctrine of retaliation. So if you just draw it out and say, this is my right. Somebody harms me, I have the right to harm them back. Because the Bible says so. And for ages, People have adopted that, whether it was the Jews, but also the Christians. Eye for an eye. Someone harms you, you have the right to harm them back. That's why, as Christians, we can justify the death penalty. It's based on this. Life for a life. That's why, as Christians, 
Christians can march into the capital city in Washington, D.C., carry a banner, huge banner, Jesus saves, carrying a massive banner, Jesus 2020, going into the Capitol Hill, breaking down the doors, and doing the stuff that they did, all in the name of God. They were doing that. They were carrying banners, Jesus. You know, there was one, one man with a cap, God's guns. Wouldn't want him to hold a gun. Why do we f- believe this? Because we've taken that truth and said, this is biblical, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And if the politicians come and harm me, I can harm them back. So let me repeat what I said. Principles of scripture must be livable truth. Truth that can be applied consistently in your daily lives. So, are we reading that scripture right? Are we drawing the right principles from that scripture, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? Was God giving us permission to retaliate every time somebody harms us? Let's turn to Jesus. I think he is the best to interpret scripture since he is the word. What did Jesus say about this scripture? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 38. This is how Jesus interpreted that scripture. Matthew 5, 38 to 44. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Where was he quoting? He was quoting that same scripture we read, the book of Exodus. He said, you have heard it was said. What do you mean it was said? You said it, God. Or did he? In other words, did he mean the truth that you have interpreted? You have said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you. In other words, this is how I read that scripture. In other words, this is how I am drawing the principle that God was trying to teach us. I tell you, resist no evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Anyone wants to sue you to take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Don't turn away. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hurt your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's not the doctrine of retaliation. That sounds a lot like the doctrine of grace and mercy and kindness. Luke picks it up. Same things that Jesus was talking about, same context. Luke picks it up in Luke 6, verse 27. And this is how Luke put it. I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. From him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. From him who takes away your goods, don't ask them back. And then comes this principle that is driving Jesus' teaching. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them. That's the principle. 
That's the principle that you should have read in the book of Exodus. Right? What God was saying is, do you want to lose your eye? Then don't harm another person's eye. Do you want to lose your tooth? No. Then don't harm another person's tooth. Do you want to lose your life? No. Then don't harm another person's life. In other words, the principle that we just read from the book of Exodus is this. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. That's the principle that should have been taken away from the book of Exodus. That's the truth that's applicable no matter what age you live in. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. Can you imagine a world that would do this? A world that would respond like this. I don't want to be harmed, so I won't harm you. I don't want to be spoken harshly, so I won't speak to you harshly. I don't want to be treated badly if, if I'm a waiter that makes a mistake, so I won't treat you, this waiter that just served me and made a mistake. I won't treat you because I don't want to treat you badly. I don't want to be treated badly either. Does it make sense? That's the principle that should have been drawn out. But instead, in the past, the nation Israel said, eye for an eye. It's a right for me to harm another who has harmed me. The church had to learn that that's not the way of God. The way of God is treat everyone the way you want them to treat you. Why is it important that we practice the right principles of Scripture? What's the importance of getting the principle right? Matthew and Luke will summarize after this. In Matthew, he finishes this way in verse 45. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. See, God is like that. That's why be like him. Why is it important to get the principles right? So that if we live the right principles, we will reflect the right God. Luke ends it this way. So that you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. So really, how did the nation Israel and all the rabbis get Exodus 21 wrong? How was it that their interpretation was so far away from the interpretation of Jesus? Same scripture. Same scripture. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I say to you, that's not the way. This is the God way. Do unto others as you want others to do unto you. That is the God way. Is it tough being a Christian? Yeah. You know why it's tough? Because I've got to do it God's way and not my way. My natural response is to harm someone who has harmed me. When somebody yells at me, my whole body says, yell back. When somebody cuts into my path, my whole body response is, shout at him. But God's response, if you want to reflect God, says, did you like that? No, I didn't like that. Okay, don't do it then. 
Did you like him yelling at you? No, I didn't like it. Then don't yell at him. You say, but then everybody's going to walk all over me. Maybe. But Jesus says, when they look at you again the next time, they will see God in you. That's the difference. I asked this question on Thursday when I was doing Margaret's funeral. Who do you want to reflect? Do you want to reflect your broken humanity? Or do you want to reflect the divine in you? Jesus is inviting us to choose to reflect the divine in us. When you get the principles of God right, and you apply it in your life, the end result is you will be like your heavenly father. So this is the real test. Whether your so-called truth is a principle that will lead you to good practice, it should draw you closer to God. If you have read that scripture right, and you've drawn the right principles from that scripture, and you put it into practice, it should draw you closer to Jesus. And it should also draw others closer to Jesus, because you're reflecting Christ. I'll give you an example, and I'm going to close. You'd see, and I read this last Sunday, about the Sabbath. Colossians 2, 16 to 17. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. What was he saying? Don't let people take truths out of context from Scripture and force it upon you and cause you actually to distance yourself from God rather than draw you closer to God. He's talking to the Gentile church and saying to them, there are some who are insisting that you must practice Sabbath the way the Jews practice Sabbath. That means you must go to the congregation that meets on that Sabbath day. The only way a Gentile can do that is if they convert to Judaism. That's the only way they can go into a synagogue and participate in the Sabbath of the Jews. That means you've got to do things the way the Jews do it. You've got to get circumcised. You've got to follow the law and keep the Mosaic law, keep the diet laws. Those things aren't going to get you to Christ. right? Those things are just shadows. They were meant to be shadows, but the real substance is Jesus Christ. So he's saying to them, don't let anyone put obstacles before you that will stop you from going closer to God. And I'm saying to you today, this year, as a church and as an individual, let us never put anything in front of someone that will be an obstacle for them to get closer to Jesus Christ. It may be a truth in your mind, but if it's not drawing people to Christ, then I would suggest revisit that truth because it may not be a principle from God. Is it hard? It's just an invitation. Think about it. Because our children need to draw closer to God. Our grandchildren need to grow, draw closer to God. Our great-grandchildren need to draw closer to God. That's why the word of God is no longer etched in a tab tablet of stone. It's etched in our hearts. So that every time our heart beats, the principles of God can change 
and transform and shift so that it'll draw people closer to God. Keep it alive. Keep your practices alive so that it draws people to God. Is it all right? I want us to move from shadow to substance. Know Christ, live Christ, but become like Christ. So I close with this final scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18. All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I want to say this to you. As we go to scriptures, don't go to the words that are etched in stone. Look for the Spirit of God that moves in those words. Draw from that life-giving principles. Start applying it in your life and live it. And then ask yourself, is this drawing me closer to God? If it's not drawing you closer to God, throw it away. And go back to that scripture to get something that will draw you closer to God. And when that is happening to you every day, as you are being drawn closer and closer to God, Paul says that you will be changed from glory to glory. And without you knowing it, when people look at you, you'll be a mirror of Jesus. And all they will see is Jesus Christ in you. May this year be that year for us where we are drawn so close to God that we don't put obstacles in people's way to coming to God, but actually we become a signpost, a reflection of the Jesus we worship, serve, and love.